The short story series is presented by the Studio Ensemble and Dom Theater Arts. Today's story, The Tarred Womb, is written by Alexander Sheldon and read by Kelvin Morales. It was dark. It was so, so dark in those first few moments. Before memory. Before feeling. Dark in that place where he was just stated. Then one day, he slid out from that wet place into the pool with all his siblings. It was still dark. Memory began here, in this chamber, when for the first time he broke the film keeping his eyes shut. Crack! and gazed upon his siblings. There were so many bright yellow eyes lurking in the dark beyond his view, older brothers and sisters keeping watch. In the black pool at the chamber's center, other black shapes lurched and bobbed and twitched, finding movement for the first time, each movement displacing the black, bubbling goo with a rumbling burp. One shape picked its head up out of the inky pool and let it fall behind. He observed the shape, watched its eyes break the film. Two large yellow yolks in the center of a pale circle. A nose protruding forth like a promontory. Is that how I look? He wondered without words. For words had not yet been sparked through his new form synapses. He observed as a black goose logged off the arms of this new shape. Revealing some of the pale skin beneath. Little clammy hands with long, spindly fingers twitched. Lean muscles contracted and flexed, the beginnings of voluntary motion. He looked down to find his own two hands at the ends of his own knobby arms. Only the hands here were pale. The rest of the other shape, save for face, hands, and legs, were covered in a black mantle, thick and stained with the black stuff. He assumed that this, too, was how he looked. Whoosh, a faint sound. Whoosh, closer now. Whoosh, a final flap. Crash, a landing on a perch far above. He looked up and saw a very pretty thing. Mother. He knew it to be his mother. He knew her warmth, that which was once his house. She was so very pretty. Her mantle was fluffy, covered in innumerable silky feathers. She was so big, so heavy, folding in on herself in an unknowable cacophony of down and sinew and wing. Her claws gripped deep into the rocky perch at the entrance of this chamber, whatever it was. Her pale face was beautiful and full-lipped, her eyes small with black dots in the center. So, so pretty, he thought. One day... I will look like her. One day I too will be beautiful. Then the larger siblings stepped forth from the shadows. They approached mother, clambering over rock, clambering over the new siblings still struggling in the black pool. Mother opened up one of her claws and dropped a big red something that clattered down the rock and splashed onto the ground. It smelled nice. It had little brown hairs all over it. The bigger siblings all scrambled for the red thing, and in a ferocious litany, 
they swirled around and over it until they were naught but bones. He paid little mind to his siblings. He watched as mother left, outstretching her vast wings and leaving them to the pit. When she was gone, he was transfixed by a sprinkling of tiny white lights left in her wake, living in the place beyond the maw of the chamber. Time passed. When it was cold, he curled up with his siblings and siphoned their warmth. He was comfortable, for a while. Then his stomach yelled at him. His stomach clutched his whole body. It did not feel nice. Some of the newer siblings were finding their feet, as he had done. Some were still just lumps hardening in the shallow black pool. When Mother returned, she dropped another red morsel. He did not stop to stare at the bright lights in the sky. This time, he raced his elder siblings to the red thing, compelled by the clutch of his stomach. Then he took his first bites of food, and it was so sweet, so scrumptious. Tearing into the flesh was so simple with his claws. The smell of it was intoxicating, and it smelled more when the red liquid flowed. He could not feed for long, however. He was fast, but his siblings were stronger. In their tussle, he was pushed out and away from the tasty thing. He decided he did not like his new siblings. And so he found a spot in the shadows, lying in wait for Mother to arrive again, eyeing the pool at the chamber's center, waiting, waiting, waiting to see if another sibling woke up, another mouth. Time passed in this fashion. Siblings would lie in wait. Mother would appear on her perch. The fast ones and the strong ones would feed. He did not feed often. He took to staring up at Mother's perch, wondering where she went, where the tasty things came from. We could hardly imagine a world beyond this black, wet place. More time passed. Mother did not appear. The siblings crooned, their stomachs forcing them to wail, mother did not hear the wailing. Some siblings went to the maw of the chamber and tried to climb their way up. Not him. He stayed. Mother could not have forsaken them. Other siblings followed suit. They started clamoring over each other, clawing for higher places towards the maw, towards the bright dots in the sky. The mound of black mantles grew thick, and with each new sibling, it bulged, larger, higher. Not him. He stayed. Mother could not have forsaken them. The chamber was filled with the tippy-taps of claw on rock and the wailing of his brothers and sisters, the clackling of small stones being loosed, the splashing of small stones landing in the pool. His stomach growled. His stomach constricted. He stared at the whites of the sky and felt pangs of hunger and of fear. Mother had forsaken them. Now he too clambered up the mountain of his kin. His claws found purchase in the flesh of his sisters. And up, up, up he went, up towards the maw, up towards the sky lights. He was lucky. He had waited. The mountain was high enough. Mother's perch was dry and the air up there was cool. He looked out at the world for the first time. Green things waved in the moonlight, tall and thin, and numerous beyond count. 
Other siblings ran into the green ground. He followed, and then he heard it. Whoosh, a faint sound. Whoosh, closer now. Whoosh, a final flap. Scream! A cry for help as Mother returned and smashed her claws into one of the siblings scurrying through the green earth. Scurry they did, like so many mice through grass, and Mother kept smashing her claws into each errant child, leaving each a broken black puddle set to dissolve into the earth with time. He scurried onwards, not looking at the carnage behind him. He looked ever forward, toward the wall of thick trunks before him, wood and leaf and earth, a promise of safety from the airborne menace, the traitor. He counted each smashing sound. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, seventeen, twenty-two. There were thirty-six by the time he made it under the cover of the trees. He looked about. No mother. No siblings. For the first time in his brief days, he was all alone. He slept under the canopy of his sanctuary. Then he felt the heat from the sky, opened his blank eyes and saw the sun for the first time. He liked it. The creature ran and danced and reveled in the sun's happiness, for it made the colors brighter and it made the sounds of the forest come alive. Cree! Cree! squawked the birds. He tried to mimic their sound. <coughs> It just wasn't the same. His was a hoarser tone, sounds forced upon the inhale, heaving from the diaphragm. But he did not care. All the new sounds were so very pretty, all the new colors so sumptuous. He felt he could suck it up like nectar and subsist on the splendor of it all. But he couldn't. Soon his stomach clutched him again. Where might I find a tasty morsel, he thought. About him were small scurrying things and small flapping things in the air. There were larger ones with horns on their heads prancing about on all fours. His stomach grumbled when he saw these. But they were so nice and so pretty he did not want to step on him like Mother did. He would not be like Mother, he decided. He would not put his claws to foul use. And so he wandered under the canopy of his new home, clambered over rock and root, in search of something tasty. He stumbled upon a big, bulbous flower. It was juicy, and it was nice. And when he put it in him, his stomach stopped yelling, and he had peace until it grew dark. Then it got cold again. He didn't like it. The creature was all alone. He didn't have his siblings to cuddle with, to keep warm as he once had in his old dark chamber. He decided he wanted to find a new sibling. When the sun came up and it was warm again, the creature went exploring. He drank from rivers and ate fruits off the trees. He searched for a sibling. He searched for someone to keep him warm in the night. There were critters of all sorts in the woods, the prancing ones, the climbing one, the ones that flittered and fluttered, the ones that were so small and buzzed so loud, the ones that looked nice to cuddle with, dashed at the sight of him, and this made him sad. 
he could not find a sibling before nightfall. When night fell, he was cold again. When the sun came up again, he resumed his search, and on and on he went, until he saw something puffy and gray rising from the canopy of the trees. This he followed. The gray plumes grew closer overhead, and as the creature approached, he found that some of the trees here were very short, shorter than his knee and flat on their tops, without leaves. This seemed unnatural. Then he heard the calling of some creatures in the distance. He hid behind a tall tree so as not to scare them off. Two of these new things walked into view. Curious they were. They walked on two legs, as he did, but seemed naked and without mantles. They had hairs atop their heads and a little more below their tiny noses. Why would they have so few feathers, he thought. These were not feathers, though. These were hairs. The two upright walkers held something in their hands. They were like sticks with heads, heads shaped like wedges. The two walkers grumbled something to each other in strange and contrite vocalizations. Then they took their sticks and started whacking one of the big trees. They whacked it and whacked it until it grew tired of their whacking and decided to lie down. Timber! shouted one of the walkers as the tree fell to the earth. Why did they do that? thought the creature. The two walkers began hacking at the felled tree. The tree was such a pretty thing. Why did they have to hurt it so? The creature did not wait to find out. He moved on, closer towards the gray plume, walking along the river as he went. Then he found an even stranger place. Much of the forest was gone, and in its place, big, blocky structures held root. They looked like they had the skin of trees, but their shapes were so unnatural. More the tall walkers were everywhere, coming in and out of these structures. Their skins, too, were fair and without mantles, but they wore strange and thin fabrics, things that did not grow from their bodies. He decided that the walkers were to be feared. They were taller than him and might not like him. Siblings didn't like him much. The walkers' sticks were hard and could hurt the trees. Their structures were strange and unknowable. He went away from the big buildings and the big people. He would not find any siblings there. So he followed the river back into the forest, and before too long, he saw something strange. It was a creature, like the big walkers, but a mini one, smaller and very thin. It was crying. The size was better, not too big, alone like him. This could be a good sibling. The creature brought this girl the fruits he liked to eat and the girl took it and ate it very fast. She looked to the creature. More? she asked. The creature did not talk like her, but he saw the girl had no fear of him and decided to bring her more fruit. The girl started to follow him after that. At last, a nice sibling. A companion. One who liked him and kept him warm. They lived here in the woods for a while, the girl continued with her strange speech patterns, and through much listening and practice, the creature began to understand her words. 
sometimes he would try to mimic her in his hoarse, inhaling vocalizations. One day, the girl was unhappy. She was crying, so the creature brought her fruit. Read, he said. Feel good. The girl just shook her head. I want my mommy, cried the girl. And then the creature panicked and was angry. No, mother, bad. Mother, step on you. Crush you. I want my mommy. And then the girl ran, ran towards that place where the big walkers lived. The creature was swifter and nimbler than the girl. He caught her before she got too far. He held on to the girl so she could not go to mother. Mother would step on him. Mother was bad. The river was close by, and so he put the girl into the water because the girl could not swim. And so she could not run to get mother. Happy with his plan, the creature went away to get some fruit. When he came back, the girl was still there. But she wasn't moving anymore. The creature would have to find a new sibling. He waited in the woods near the walker's place. He waited for new siblings. Sometimes the little ones left their homes and walked into the woods. He made them his siblings. Some of them did not stay his siblings for very long and would also want to go back to mother. So he would put them in the water, just like the first girl. Others would stay with him for a long, long time, for many suns and many moons beyond count. They watched together as time passed, and the wood-skinned structures of the bigger folk were transformed to stone. The big walkers built more and more of the stone chambers and cut further and further into the creature's woods. More and more stone chambers, more and more big walkers. But, invariably, the siblings would eventually want to go back to the big people, so he would have to make them stop moving before they could leave him. He learned that with the first girl, the little bodies did not like the water. They would bloat and go gray, and then the skin would start to decay, if the fishies did not snack on them first. The fishies mostly liked their eyes. He did not like how the first little sister looked after a while, and so he wanted to help her. She smelled so good. She smelled like the red morsels in this old, dark birthplace. He would meld her flesh with his, and they could be together forever. Plus, he was growing tired of fruit, so he ate her instead. She tasted good. She reminded him of those dripping bits of red that Mother would leave for him and his siblings. But it was so very hard to get those old bits. His siblings would all fight him for them. It was easier with his new siblings. He had them all to himself, and they did not object. It was easier to eat the new siblings, but he didn't get to very often. So it was a special treat. He would sing songs in the woods, songs he made himself, songs about fruits and songs about beetles. His favorite song, though, was about his siblings. He would sing the names he gave them. He sang of their union he would sing of the family that lived in his belly. Years passed like minutes.
the creature grew bigger, bigger even than the big walkers. But he wasn't yet beautiful like his mother. His mantle of feathers still stuck to him, constricted him, and his pale limbs grew out. His torso grew more hunched into black casing. He made another song about his body. One day I'll be beautiful, he called it. One day his feathers would grow fluffy and nice, and his back would sprout wings, and he and all his siblings would go and live in the night sky with the pretty white lights. They would feast on starlight and dance with the sun and wave hello to the old forest down below. Free of the walker's scourge. But not yet. His feathers still stuck to him like skin. The big walkers kept building and building. They built along the river, breaking and biting his home. They built along the river, growing ever closer to the place where he put his siblings' bones. It was getting harder to hide from them. His old black shroud was getting uncomfortable, and he would wail in the night. No doubt the walkers heard him. No doubt the walkers knew their little ones had been lost in the woods. One day, the creature heard a familiar tune. It was a high voice, one of the small walkers, and the boy was singing his song. The boy was singing, One day I'll be beautiful, as he skipped small stones on the water's surface. Thwip, thwip, splash. Thwip, 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 splash. This warmed the creature's heart beyond measure. The boy was not as thin as his usual pickings. He looked stronger, and the others always whined about food. Maybe it would like him more. It had learned his song. It had heard it sung in the woods. Maybe it was ready to play with him. The thought tickled the creature mightily. He and this special sibling could find a new spot in the woods far away from the big people. The special sibling could groom his mantle and make him comfortable. They could live together and make songs together forever. The creature decided he would lure the small special boy when he was at the river. He tossed him some sweet things and beckoned him to come. The boy did not come. Perhaps he wanted something better than fruit. Of course. The boy was not so very thin. He didn't need fruit. So the creature went off to a special spot where he hid all sorts of shiny things he had gathered on his travels. Gathered a bunch of them in one arm and went back to the special boy. He put a shiny thing on the ground. The boy stayed put. Of course. The boy likes to sing. So the creature started to sing, One day I'll be beautiful. And suddenly the boy's eyes lit up, like he was just now recognizing an old friend. He approached slowly and grabbed the shiny trinket. The creature put another on the ground and another, leaving a trail of shiny trinkets for the special boy to follow deeper and deeper into the woods. Following the sound of the creature's song, when the creature ran out of shiny things, the boy stopped. It was nighttime, so they slept together and kept each other warm. For a few days, the creature and the boy lived and played happily together. But then, the special boy started crying. I want my big brother, he said. The creature did not understand. I am big brother, he said. He was the boy's new sibling, and he was right there with him. The special boy started to get frightened of the creature. 
and this made the creature sad. He liked this boy more than any of the other siblings. He wanted to keep it, not to eat it like the others, so he kept the boy with him at all times and would not let him leave. Over the next few days, the special boy grew more restless, more upset, and the creature did not know what to do. He tried to sing, and this would not calm him. He would bring fruits, and this would not calm him. Of course, he wants a shiny, nice present. He took the boy to the river, where they might find a nice shell or shiny stone. As he bent over and dipped his hand into the clammy water, he heard it. A voice. Milo? The boy heard it too, and shouted back, Big brother! Milo? This is one of the big people, the creature thought. I am Brick Brother, said the creature. Frollo, I will you. And so he grabbed the special boy by the wrist, away from the yelling voice. Milo! It was a different voice this time. The boy kept screaming. The voices followed. More and more the forest filled with cries of this strange word. Was it a spell? The creature thought, yes, it was. He could start to see flickering lights when he looked behind, held aloft by the silhouettes of the big walkers. Flickering lights on sticks. The boy was in danger. The creature needed to rescue his special sibling. If found, they would take him away and hurt the poor creature. They kept running. As it grew darker, the flickering sticks grew brighter. Shadows danced between the trees, shadows of limbs, of open mouths shouting strange phrases, angry phrases, murderous phrases. And so the creature ran, and ran, and ran with the boy in tow. They ran out into a grassy field, and the creature bent low, scurrying through the grass to remain unseen. As he went, he thought long and hard of the wedge-headed sticks the walkers carried, and how they had eaten into hard bark and make the trees groan and tumble. It started to get hotter and hotter. He looked up and saw black plumes, like the old grey ones but angrier, floating overhead in the wind. In the distance, he heard someone shout, You idiot, you'll kill Milo! No, no kill, not today. Then suddenly the grass ended. The creature stumbled out upon a clearing at the base of a big mountain. He rested a moment and looked behind, only to find the whole field alight with flame, the night sky pulsing with the poison black plume. The creature thought he understood something of Mother now. Mother kept them hidden in the dark away from the world to protect them. The monsters were the walkers, lurking beyond the wood. Just look what they could do, breaking the wood, making the sky poison. He looked about him, still holding the special sibling. There was nowhere to go but into the mountain. But he stood still, frozen. Some memory of this place started to surface, some tingly feeling in his chest and in his gut. It was as if all the siblings within him were screaming at him not to go into that place. The special sibling started to cry, and this made the creature very angry. The fire died down in some places, and all that was left of the old field were black sands and black clouds of poison. Then he could see them, tall 
dark shapes coming out of the black plume, bearing their sticks and sharp instruments. The monsters had come. They took small steps, ever closer, toothed tools ready to bite and tear and maim. Creature had to defend his little sibling. And now, after many years, he had a chance to test his strength. His claws proved a match for those of the sticks and the walkers. His long limbs let him move fast. His size let him strike fear. His weight and sinew let him strike hard and true. These dark walking shapes were no more dangerous than shadows, breaking under each heavy swipe of his hand. He felt proud and strong, and the red waters poured forth, the delicious red waters. A drink would do him good. He was so tired, and so he bent down to one of the little pitiful walkers and fastened himself to him, suckling long and hard on his prize. His eyes opened, and he saw more and more of the walkers coming, more pointed tools, more flickering lights on sticks, his triumph turned to ash in his mouth. Just a little more, he thought. I shall need my strength. He could hear nothing but the beating heart of his meal. Boom, boom. Boom, boom. Boom, boom. 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 Whoosh. 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 Whoosh! Flapping. A great shadow loomed overhead, blocking out the poison black plume. His rescuer. His goddess. He stretched his pale arms up as far as he could with all his tarred feathers restricting his mobility. He sung a little song and did a little dance. He was home. Crash! He did not feel the breaking of his body. He did not feel his bones snap as mother's claws tightened around his mantle. He could only feel the rush of the wind as the earth grew further and smaller. He caught a glimpse of the walkers, tiny in the distance as they scurried away into the woods like so many scared mice. He could not see his special sibling among them. The last thing he saw in the light was the maw of a cave. Then all grew dark as he descended hard, fast. He could feel nothing. His vision was fuzzy. In the darkness, all he could see about him were pairs of large, yellow eyes, like yolks. And then his siblings were upon him. Thank you for listening to The Tarred Womb by Alexander Sheldon. Please join us next time for another in our short story series.